Welcome to Walk in the Truth podcast. How do we know where to find answers to the toughest questions in life? While the simplest answer is the Bible, where do we start this search and how do we discover this truth? Today, in this teaching podcast, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, takes a specific text of the Bible and helps us find truth for the life we're searching for. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1 as we get into the, the message series called The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas. Today I want to talk to you about ordinary people and extraordinary God. You know, I've always been one of those guys that have looked around at different people that God has spoken to, God has worked in their lives, and, and uh, always in me from a very young age, I would think, you know, I'm not uh, anyone special like they are, and I wish God would work in my life the way he worked in their life. In other words, I felt like that someone would have to be extraordinary for God to speak to them, for God to bless them or direct them and lead them. And imagine my surprise when I realized that God works in the lives of ordinary people. How many ordinary people are in the room today? Would you raise your hand if you're an ordinary person? You'd be pretty unusual to not raise your hand today, wouldn't you? (laughs) Luke chapter 1, verse 5, is a story of two ordinary people that God works in their lives in supernatural ways. In fact, the entire Christmas story is about that. It's about people that are ordinary, sometimes very common, in many cases a little strange and a little different, and in some cases a little weird how God works in their lives. But all those add up to a Messiah that we can call Emmanuel, God with us. All the way through the scripture, God has made the point very clear. I am your God. I am with you. I will be with you. And that's what this series will help us to realize how God works in extraordinary ways in ordinary people's lives. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Would you stand with me as we read this passage? long passage. And there are a number of verses that we will hold off to read the end of this story uh, at the end of this message. But today I want to introduce it in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1, very early on in the story of Christmas. By the way, each of our series messages this month, uh, November and December, will be out of Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, and uh, they'll all culminate, of course, in one of our Christmas Eve services that takes place on on Christmas Eve, of course, which is Sunday this year. So beginning in verse uh, verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias, of the division of Ebijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John." You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, 
and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Obviously, this is pointing to the man we know as John the Baptist. And what an incredible unfolding of that announcement by Gabriel the angel. Ordinary people, extraordinary God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak to us powerfully today. Father, my prayer today for these in this room and these listening online, where that they would seek and also find what it means to have an encounter with you, that none of us would think that you do not see us or know us, that none of us would be people who you do not look at, fully aware of what we're going through, fully aware of what our needs are. Father, help us to come to grips today with the fact that you're an extraordinary God who knows each and every ordinary one of us. Thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. You know, it's interesting how God interrupts us sometimes. It's interesting how God surprises us and blesses ordinary people in extraordinary ways. As a matter of fact, when we walk through these characters of Christmas together, we're going to see some very unusual, somewhat humorous sides of people that God is interacting with, that God is speaking to, that God uses in order to bring about the Messiah. And Zacharias and Elizabeth are two of those people. Now, from the very beginning, as we read about Zacharias and Elizabeth, we realize these people are, are righteous people. The Bible says that they're blameless. They know the Lord. Uh, they serve the Lord. And this man is a priest as well. As a matter of fact, he served on a rotation of 18,000 different other priests. And on this day, he is offering a temple uh, sacrifice of incense in the temple which would happen only once in a lifetime. So here he is, Zacharias, this ordinary man who serves in righteous ways in a once-in-the-lifetime opportunity to offer incense at the altar before the Lord. Now, I want you to know that some of the details of what he's doing are very important. Offering of an incense in the temple was a reminder, and it signified that as that smoke wafted upwards, that it was a reminder that our prayers, as they ascend, they ascend to the God of heaven. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, it's a reference to that, that the prayers of the saints are, are like incense to the Lord. It's amazing how God listens to ordinary people. And even what he was doing in that day and time was a reminder that God hears the prayers of ordinary, everyday people. And I just want to make a note to you today. God hears and answers the prayers of ordinary people. I want you to know... I had you raise your hand a few moments ago. You said, I'm an ordinary person. God hears and answers the prayers of ordinary people. Aren't you glad about that? I am thrilled that he does that. And he does that in the life of these two individuals in a way that's bigger than they can possibly imagine. So under the Old Testament perspective, these two were the most pietous, 
of people. These were great Jewish people. However, Elizabeth was unable to bear children. And by now, in spite of her prayers and in spite of the desire to have children, she is past the age of childbearing. And we know that there's another story about that in the Old Testament that we'll reference in just a few moments of Abraham and Sarah. But here it is. It's happening again. They prayed, and they've heard nothing from God as of yet about that matter. And by now, it may be that there's a place where they're really beyond hope. Have you ever been there where you've prayed for something so long and it hasn't happened and you haven't gotten any word from God? You don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you're almost beyond hope. That's where these people are. And in addition to that, Israel itself as a nation is in a place where they're almost beyond hope. This is just after the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years of silence. And here they are in this dark valley as a nation. Here Zechariah and Elizabeth are in this dark valley personally. And through all that, God surprises them in extraordinary ways. And I want you to see how all that unfolds, not only in their lives, but I want you to see how God does that in our lives. Before I move on to what these points are that I'm going to share with you today, just keep in mind that silent and even barren seasons are often fertile grounds and fertile times for God to speak in our lives. Most of the times that I've heard God plainly have been after seasons of silence. After seasons where I don't know what he's going to do, what he's going to say. I don't have answers on my own. In fact, I've come to the end of answers for myself about my dilemmas. And it's after those times that God seems to speak the loudest and speak the most clearly. And if you're in that situation today, I hope this brings hope to you. Ordinary people, extraordinary God. I want you to know some things about this story as it unfolds. First, I want you to notice that God breaks the silence in unexpected ways. It seems like every time I want God to speak to me, he does it in ways that I don't expect. We've got ways that are favorite ways to hear from God. And sometimes God does beyond that and different from that. And he surprises us. And this is what happens with Zacharias. He's serving in the temple, once in the lifetime experience. And all the other people are outside from this very holy spot. And it says in verse 11, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of the incense. So in this moment, in a very unexpected time, he probably thinks that he is at the pinnacle, at the top of his opportunity to serve God. Once in a lifetime, serving incense in the temple, offering it up to God. And yet in that moment, God trumps everything else by sending his angel. And it's not just any angel. We learn later on, it is Gabriel, the angel that always has an amazing message. And there he is standing in front of Zacharias. And it's amazing. Now, the last time we hear from Gabriel had been back in the days of Daniel. Do you remember Daniel on the lion's den? Gabriel talking about the, the prayers that Daniel had offered up. And Gabriel comes and answers those prayers with a lot of information for Daniel that we'll save for another time. But that's the last time Gabriel has shown up. That was 500 years prior to this moment. Malachi, the last prophet that spoke, 400 years from that moment, 
to this one where Zacharias is. And until that time, between that period, there is no prophetic word, no angelic revelation, no new news, no move from God, nothing unusual has happened. They're just going through the motions, doing the same thing they've always done, and all of a sudden, God surprises them in this amazing, amazing way. Gabriel stands before this man, Zacharias. Now, if you could look outside the temple, you would know these things were going on. Not only is silence happening, but wars and uprisings are taking place in Israel. Roman oppression is growing. Unanswered prayers seem to be taking place. Hope for the Messiah is growing dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. After all, if you don't hear from God for 500 years, you got to wonder what's up. you got to wonder if God's still going to fulfill his promise, if he's still going to show up in any time at all. It was 700 years before this moment that Isaiah said something that was pretty prophetic in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And you know the verse. It's a Christmas verse. We say it all the time. It says this. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Even the prophet Isaiah said, It'll be a time of darkness. It'll be a time of silence. And in the darkest of dark and in the most silent of all silent periods, that's when the light's going to come. And that's when the Messiah is going to be revealed. And that's just what's unfolding right here in Zechariah's day. He's seeing it all come to pass. I don't know about you, but I'll say this several times in the message today, that defining moments in my life come after silent moments. There's something about silent moments that make me want to hear from God all the more. There's something about times where I don't see God move, but I don't see him working around me in the way that I I want to, desire to see him work, that make me listen better, that make me be more in tune to him. Because my only hope is in God, and your only hope is in God as well. So you're not looking for some other kind of rescue. You're not looking for some other kind of intervention. You're only looking for the intervention of God. So when things are quiet and dark and silent, listen even more devotedly to hear what the Lord may say to you. God breaks the silent in unexpected ways. Stay faithful. Stay focused. Stay in tune with him. Secondly, I want you to notice this, that as the story unfolds, God brings extraordinary news that requires faith. You know, whenever God speaks, he's going to require faith on your part to believe him. He wants you to believe. He wants you to trust his word before he brings brings it to pass. In chapter 1, verses 12 and following, you see what's uh, transpiring in this conversation. The Bible says, Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Now, that's just normal response. If you saw Gabriel, you'd be in the same boat. You'd be gripped by fear. You'd be troubled in your heart. You wouldn't know what to say and think. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Gabriel, Zacharias, this one-on-one. And Zacharias is required to trust, to believe that what God is saying and what God is doing is going to come to pass. This is what we call the crisis of faith. First of all, is this really an angel? And second of all, when he says his name is Gabriel, am I really alive standing in the presence of Gabriel? And then thirdly, he says we're going to have a child, and I'm old, and my wife is buried. Is this really going to take place? It's a crisis of faith. 
It's a moment for him to stroke his beard and say, are you kidding me? After all this prayer, after all these decades of hoping and, and trusting and then getting to the place where I don't even know anymore if this is going to happen or not. Are you kidding me? And of course, Gabriel the angel said, no, we're not kidding you. You're going to have a baby. And it might have been that he was so stunned by what he heard that he didn't really hear the whole message. And the whole message had to do with not only are you going to have a baby, but it's it's going to be an extraordinary baby. Right. It's going to be what we know now as John the Baptist. Right. And not only would he be great in the eyes of the Lord, not only would he live uprightly, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, the angel said. Yes. And not only that, he will turn the hearts of many in Israel back to the Lord. And in addition to that, he's going to be a forerunner to the coming of the Messiah. So, I mean... Zacharias had barely picked himself up off the floor at hearing that they're going to have a baby. And now all these other things are happening. An extraordinary promise that comes from this angel that is an answer to the prayer that they've been praying for years and years and years. But there's a problem in this story that Zacharias has. It's the same problem that we have. And that is that some respond in fear and disbelief. That's just how we respond sometimes when God speaks to us. You notice what Zechariah says in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now that, at that point is when the angel said, Well, I'm Gabriel. So, I mean, that ought to tell you that you can know it's going to come to pass. I'm Gabriel. I'm the angel of the Lord. There's only two angels in the Bible that we have the names of. One's Gabriel. The other's Michael. And here he stands in front of him. He says, I'm Gabriel. Now, I see a picture of Zechariah looking puzzled about the holy event, struck with fear and disbelief. Now, if I had an artist draw this picture of this man, it would look something like this. Zechariah <laughs> and Elizabeth. And actually, ask someone, an artist, to do a caricature of them. Because I felt like that's one way we could kind of see the facial expressions of someone that's struggling to believe God. I want you to know Zacharias on the left, and he's stroking his beard, literally he's looking at sideways kind of look, and he's going, how is all this going to take place? Now, we don't hear of Elizabeth's immediate response, but we hear of her ultimate response once she is with child. She is filled with gratitude, filled with joy. She knows this is really going to take place. But Zacharias first responds with that kind of look. I wonder how many times we have that kind of look when God speaks to us about anything in our lives. I wonder how many times we back off and say, I don't know about that guy. I'm not sure that I'm up for that. Well, the Bible calls us to believe a God who's able to do things above and beyond what we can even possibly imagine. Zacharias doubts, and immediately the, the angel strikes him mute. This is one of the more entertaining parts of this story, is that immediately Zacharias loses his ability to speak. Now, he's just heard from Gabriel, the biggest news of his life. He's got to go home and tell his wife, we're going to have a baby. Because Gabriel doesn't meet with Elizabeth. He just meets with Zacharias. And now Zacharias has no way to say any words to, to bring this news to Elizabeth. I think that's one of the most humorous things in the world, that he's got to go home and he's got to figure out how he has encountered the angel. 
But before we kind of entertain that, let me ask you, have you ever waited so long for something that you don't even know if you can believe anymore? I don't want to be too hard on this guy, Zacharias. I just think he is aged out when it comes to the promise. I think he's just thought that prayer request is just never going to happen. Now, if I were honest with you, I would say there are certain prayer requests in my life that I have at several different points said, I don't think that's ever going to happen. And yet I believe it's the will of God. And I have to come back and wrestle with that crisis of faith and say, in spite of my unbelief, I do believe that God will honor his promise. And I believe we have those crises of faith. I don't, I don't, I don't talk today about uh, crises of faith about some silly thing that you want but something that you prayed in complete alignment with the God, with the God of the universe about. Yes. When our lives are aligned with him and our requests are aligned with him and we know he's laid something on our heart and yet we have almost stopped hoping because we haven't seen it because God is allowing us and even making us wait. Do you realize 116 times in the Bible the phrase wait on the Lord is used in some way? And usually they come along just when I need them. Wait on the Lord. God requires us to wait. For these two individuals, the years have come and gone and no answer to prayers, no answer to the dreams of a child. They're old now. They're beyond childbearing and God still makes them wait. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, there's a great, there's a great verse that the prophet Isaiah gives us about waiting. It says, For from the days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ears, or has the eye seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him? Isaiah said, there's no God like you. We're going to willingly wait on you because only you will act on behalf of those who wait on you. Isaiah knew something about waiting. He was prophesying 700 years before the Messiah actually came. And his prophecies about the Messiah are the most prominent ones that we quote and talk about and sing about. 700 years before Christ came, he was speaking these words. He knows that waiting is important. It's really important that you and I know that it's important as well in our own lives. And sometimes I wish I knew why God took so long, but there are there are those seasons where we have to trust his heart, even though we can't see the signs around us. It was Charles Spurgeon that made this statement. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too kind or too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand and when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. We have to trust the heart of a God who responds faithfully and who is immutable in character, unchanging in the way he does things. We have to trust him even when we can't see what he is up to or know what he is doing. What's God making you wait for? And then there's the humorous part of this story. I think it's hilarious. This is where Dr. Rice has waited so long and has responded in such disbelief that it's becoming awkward. God gives him this story through Gabriel, this promise that's going to be fulfilled. And because he didn't trust, he's now struck mute. You know what mute means? It means that you can't say a word. And so he's got the job of going home and sharing this news with Elizabeth. He's got to break the news to her at some point very quickly that they must very quickly and without delay get in the bedroom. 
I mean, think about it. I'm not reading into the scripture or anything. They do have to conceive this child, even though they're old and she's barren, and he's got to communicate this to her without words. I think that would be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> Did he write something on a piece of paper? Did he draw a picture? I don't know what he was doing. Can you imagine him saying something in some form, Elizabeth, we've got to get to bed. And she's saying, why? And he said, well, an angel met with me and said, we must do this. That's a new one, Zacharias. Right. I really believe that God uses the ordinary, mundane, even humorous things about our lives to help us be convinced that it would, be, would have been better for him to believe in the first moment of that promise. But to bed they go, and she conceived. And that brought about the fulfillment of a prayer that they'd had for decades. And it brought about the fulfillment of the prophetic one who would come before the Messiah himself. And I wrote this down to myself as I thought through the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Oh, how the things we do and the ways we respond to God before we finally obey make us look so silly. Because God is the only one that we can trust. And we can't trust ourselves. Just trust him from the beginning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your pathways straight. Zacharias knew he should have done that. But while some respond in disbelief, others respond in faith and gratitude. This would be Elizabeth. Notice what's said in verse 25. These are her words. When she realizes now that she's conceived and she's got a child growing inside of her, she says, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now, we don't hear her immediate response, but we hear her ultimate response right here as she begins to see signs of the baby. And she's speaking with great gratitude and with great joy and with great faith. Maybe she remembers the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, who believed God, even though they were well past the age of childbearing, believed God for the promise, and Sarah, who laughed. And maybe she was determined not to be the one that laughed, but the one who believed God. But there she is, believing God. Eventually, it was Elizabeth that visited Mary after the angel Gabriel had broke the news to Mary that she would have a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us an amazing story of how these two women came together and how the baby inside of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leapt in the womb at the sound of Mary's voice. She's believing. She's grateful. And Zacharias is still mute. He's still not able to say a word. It might have been her faith that opened the door so widely for God to work in such a powerful way because it certainly wasn't his faith that allowed all that to happen. We often need to believe for those around us, don't we? Sometimes we just need to believe, even though those around us are not believing. And God honored her faith in a powerful way. God uses imperfect faith. God uses imperfect faith. He knows that we are dragged down by the realities, the physical realities of this world. It's hard for us to imagine God breaking all those physical laws to do what he did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. But that brings us to how God really worked powerfully in their lives. 
And I want you to notice thirdly that God fulfills the greatest dreams imaginable. And I'm not talking about just any dreams. I'm not talking about some imaginary dream for prosperity or some dream for health and wealth. This is not the prosperity gospel I'm talking about. It's about God fulfilling the ultimate calling in our lives. Whatever it is he's spoken for each one of us in ways that are beyond our imagination. Notice what's said in verse 57 and 58. Now when the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy towards her, and they were rejoicing with her. If ever there was a woman who could say, my prayers were answered by God, it was this woman right here. What a long wait. What a great answer. But this is not just any son. And so often this is how God works. We see what God does for us here and now. But we don't see the bigger picture of what he's doing for others around us, even as he answers that prayer for us here and now. To Zacharias and Elizabeth, they're having a son. But to the world around them, they're having John the Baptist. They're having someone that's going to be the forerunner, the prophet that leads the way for people to turn and face Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It was John the Baptist that ultimately said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was John the Baptist that ushered in repentance in Israel before Christ came. They had no idea all that God was going to do in their life. They just had a baby boy, but God had a bigger picture, more imaginable than they could have had in their own minds. God always answers prayers in bigger ways than we think he can. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church, the Bible says. Wow. So he answers this amazing prayer and answers the dreams beyond anything they could imagine. And in doing so, God answers and takes people to an entirely new level of trust. He takes them to an entirely new level of trust. They believed God for a baby, an imperfect faith, an imperfect belief, but God positioned them for something entirely different, much bigger than they could have imagined. And I want to pause at this moment and just say, I know there are many faithful believers in this room. You've trusted God for many things in your life. You've prayed and seen God answer many of your prayers. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, and you have a history of walking with God, and it's really admirable. But I would say that God is always wanting to take all of us to another level of trust and belief. I would say God is always preparing us for something even greater that he's going to use us for. He's going to speak to us. He's going to use us in someone else's life. He's going to lead us in a certain way that's beyond anything we could have imagined. Never be settled. Never be satisfied with the level that you are in your relationship with the Lord because God is always doing above and beyond anything we can ask or think. I have God-sized dreams that I believe God gave me. Promises that I believe that I'm believing God for that I haven't seen happen yet. I, I cannot let up on my trust factor because I believe I'm called to trust Him for those things. Right. And I think it's the same is true from all of us from one perspective or another. It's a personal thing between you and the Lord. Believe Him when He speaks. Look for signs as you pray and as you wait and as you believe, because what God did in answering Zacharias and Elizabeth's prayer is he brought the sign of the coming Messiah, John the Baptist, coming to point to the way of the Lord in Jesus Christ.
Yeah, most of us. Amen. Somebody celebrate the fact that he does that. You know, you know this summer uh, was a hot summer, to say the least. And I still remember the day when um, it got cloudy, and uh, it was something like 175 degrees or something like that. And <laughs> the clouds came over, and it began to get just a little bit cooler. And all of us have been waiting, right? We knew at some point that the weather was going to change at some point. In Texas, it doesn't nearly happen fast enough, but we, were, we knew it happened. I saw the clouds, and I did what everybody else did. I, I whipped out my phone, and I looked at the weather app. <laughs> now, a few years ago, I thought only older people looked at weather apps or wanted to know what the weather was about. And today, I always want to know what the weather's about. And on that day, I looked at the weather app, and it said, sure enough, it's going to get a little cooler and rain is in the forecast. And I still remember thinking, man, it's about time God sent rain. And I'm not just being funny here. The reality is it was a hot, hot summer. Well, the rain didn't come immediately. Clouds were there. The weather app said it was going to happen, so, right? That's almost like a fact. But soon I heard thunder in the background. I thought it's coming. And after a little while, that thunder got closer. I saw some bolts of lightning out in the horizon. And then the rain began to come. The rain began to come. And I knew it was going to come. I knew it was going to come because that's just the way of the season. I knew it was going to come because uh, the clouds had come. I knew it was going to come because Pete Delka said it was going to come. I knew it was going to come <laughs> because I heard the thunder. I knew it was going to come because I saw the lightning. I knew it was going to come, and it came, and it was awesome. It was amazing. Signs of the coming of the rain. You know, John the Baptist was the most sure sign of the coming of the Messiah. The story looks like it's just on the surface, but I will tell you that it was the preaching of John the Baptist that helped people know the Messiah is here. Where is he? Who's going to point him out? And it was this man, John the Baptist, that said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What a significant, significant promise. What a significant moment happening to an ordinary person like Zacharias and Elizabeth. Well, we're ordinary. You said in this room a few moments ago, I'm an ordinary person. This extraordinary God can work in amazing ways in your ordinary life. If he did it for Zacharias and Elizabeth, he can do it for you. Amen. It'll be a different promise. It'll be a different fulfillment. But he is the God who comes and walks with us yes. and manifests himself to us. Let him do that in your life. Yes. In just a moment, I'm going to close in prayer. And my encouragement to you is that you would look to this extraordinary God to work in amazing ways in your life. We have decision stations that are available. You know, the truth is that what John pointed to when he began to preach was the Jesus that we preach every single week. In fact, when Zacharias came back around and made his prophetic utterance, it's really amazing that he went from being mute to being amazing in what he said. And he gave four big indicators that the one who was coming was the Messiah. After John the Baptist, the one who was coming was the Messiah. Everything in this message points to Jesus at some point. 
And I want you to know today this Messiah has come through the extraordinary ways that we'll look at during the characters of Christmas. And he's come for you. He's come that you might know him. You, an ordinary person, know an extraordinary God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I invite you to stop by our decision stations and say, I want to know this extraordinary Messiah, Jesus Christ. I also invite you to our, uh, our guest reception room right outside the center exit doors and across the hallway. If you're a guest here, I'd love to talk with you more about Cross City Church. I also invite you to be a witness during this Christmas season. I mean, we're there. We're, we're almost into Christmas, and everything we say right now is moving that way. And what a great time to bring someone with you when they're thinking about Christ and Christmas and all the things related to that. I invite you to bring others with you. Would you stand with me as we have a closing word of prayer today? Father, we are so very grateful that we are ordinary people and we can pray to and know you, the extraordinary God. Father, thank you for these two individuals in Scripture and their stories and how amazing it all was and how they relate to us and we to them. Thank you that you sent your Messiah the way you did. Thank you that you call us to walk with you. Thank you that you make our lives extraordinary, even though we're only ordinary. Father, I pray that you will lead each one of us to know you better, to walk with you in these days ahead. I pray that you'll draw many people to come to faith in Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.